Hello, I'm Rob Beckett. And I'm Josh Whittacombe. Welcome to Parent in Hell, the show in which Josh and I discuss what it's really like to be a parent, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, to make ourselves, and hopefully you, feel better about the trials and tribulations of modern-day parenting, each week we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how they're coping. Or, hopefully, how they're not coping. And we'll also be hearing from you, the listener, with your tips, advice, and, of course, tales of parenting woe. Because, let's be honest, there are plenty of times when none of us know what we're doing. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, you're listening to Parent in Hell with... Lexi, can you say Rob? Rob. Beckett. Beckett. And can you say Josh? Josh. Widdicombe. No. And can you say Uncle? I don't. Mike. Mike. Oh, nepotism. There we go. Tell I what, see. Tell you what I like there. It's because I can see the uh, recording. I can see it. I thought there's something more here. <gasps> there's more. There's more to come. So, Uncle Mike. So, I thought, Michael, that well, you, you're not on a mic, so you can shout. But I thought it was always Michael, not Mike. But you let the kids call you Mike. I let the kids and one of my sisters abbreviate, but no one else. No one else is like Michael because when I first met Michael, he wouldn't let me call him Mike. Um, but now I know there is a weakness there, and that is family. <laughs> Hi, Rob and Josh. This is our daughter, Isla White, Lexi, <laughs> who's twenty-seven months old. As you can probably guess, uh, she is also the niece of producer Michael. We all find it a bit weird people talking about his sexy voice on the podcast. Love the show, Cat, Summer, and Lexi. There we oh, go. Nice. Very nice. I'm going to take my headphones off. We're doing this face-to-face again, aren't we? Yeah, I know. We can't get enough of each other. Yeah, I'm Our going to take schedules have been off. very busy, haven't they? So yeah. it's good to be in town together. Yeah, I like it. Because we've not been at home by our laptops. But most importantly, how did... We haven't caught up on this. Birthday party. Five-year-old's... Your daughter's birthday party. This is recorded the morning, the day after. Yes. So, um, huge success, I'd say. <laughs> Lovely stuff. From the jaws of defeat. Oh, what happened? Well, well, there wasn't. You didn't have an. We got an. We got an entertainer. Yep. We got. Uh, so, the things we had, room above a pub. Yes. Children. Children. Uh, an entertainer. Uh, we had makeup. What's it called? Face paint. <laughs> Just makeup. Makeup. Just yeah, like look, girls. I think you need to put a bit of effort in it. It is a five-year-old party. Yeah, come on. Let's come on. Put on a bit of slap, for God's sake. Yeah, don't worry, lads. The boys just watch the football. Yeah. It's quite an old-school wedding. Yeah, it was. It was. Wedding birthday. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> it, uh, we also had a craft station oh. that I thought no one's going to go with this, and it was bloody popular. Was it? Little girls, mate. They love loved crafts. the crafts. What about the boys? Did boys craft? Boys didn't craft. He's... Uh, a couple of it was mainly the girls that crafted the craft uh, we had a, a slight incident with a couple of the boys what um, they uh, they stole a naked bar from uh, the bag of one of the other parents so I had to go up to to a mum from my daughter's new school so that's I, what middle class Fagan I barely knew pick a pocket or two yeah, okay. oh I've got a I've got a, new, a naked <laughs> bar and a, some coconut water yes, I barely know this mum you know, obviously, but that's new pricey, to the about three quid a I had to go up to her and go, "Do you have a gold bag?" And she said, "Yes." And I said, "I'm afraid." I, don't, I maybe overplayed it because her face. She looked oh. like I was about to give some really bad news. So actually, when I said, "I'm afraid a boy's stolen your naked bar," she was she was pleasantly relieved. If yeah. I'm honest with you, the bag's still there, but the bag's still stolen. there, but the naked bars not long for this world. What was the food situation at the party for the kids? So we did uh, the pub let us cater ourselves yeah I made pizzas at home and we did them uh, oh so you cooked pizzas at home and brought them in yeah pizzas sandwiches pom bears um classic absolute classic the pom bears must be thinking how do we break through to adults <laughs> they're a good crisp they're they a are break- a good crisp they've got to do something to get there I think it's the bear pro- the bear is the issue no adult wants to buy a bear shaped crisp or they make the bear bigger 
Yeah. And they're like Dorito size. Yeah, because it's a good crisp. I and, think they're underrated. There's a, this implication that they're the kind of okay face of crisps for kids. It's, and you, I do wonder <laughs> what's going on, what, how they've managed to create that kind of image. Is They're basically a health snack. Well, you can't give McCoy's to like a one-year-old. No. Imagine giving flame steak ridge whatever it's a great, I love a McCoy's. No no, no, nothing, no shade. The McCoy's. I love McCoy's, but you can't give McCoy's to no. children, can you? They're no. not mental. Imagine cheese and onion McCoy. This kid just pumping it back like a lorry driver. <laughs> um, so uh it was a success. And can the, I ask a question? Yeah. The entertainer arrives. Yeah. She's just been booked for a party. Yeah. Does she recognise you? Well, I wasn't the one dealing with her mainly. Is this a high pressure gig for a kids entertainer because it's going to be spoken on? Well, that's an interesting. She was young, so I don't think she'd be aware of this podcast because she was she was probably in her early twenties. Okay, sure. Yeah, she did some good magic. Yeah, we all enjoyed it. It was good. It went well. There was a bit. She put up. She had a backdrop. Yeah, right. And she put it up. And then everyone was sat waiting, and she was behind the backdrop getting changed. And she, because she was getting changed, she went on a couple of minutes after she was due on, which yeah. was fine. But it did give the feeling. So she was late. No, she wasn't late. Oh, right. She wasn't late. Just saying, you're throwing her under the bus. This young, no, young not, kid no, trying to break no, her no, way no, in the world. You're slagging her off. She did the biggest no, podcast not, in the not, country. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not on the rest of politics. <laughs> but. Um, they're robbing a living, them lot. Oh, mate. Oh, yeah, well done. The biggest news stories of the last 15 I years know. of politics. Talk Fuck ab- off, mate. Come we'll on. wait till someone boring gets in. Yeah. Let's see how you do. Let's see how your ratings go under five years of Keir Starmer. <laughs> Economic stability? <laughs> oh, yeah, he wants to listen to that. No one, Campbell. Get back in your fucking box, mate. Spin that, yeah. you prick. He's shitting himself about Liz Truss leaving and being replaced <laughs> by Rishi Sunak. Sunak v Starmer try and spin three podcasts a week out of that mate <laughs> just two men with really conservative po- ideas <laughs> they're safe ideas um anyway uh, <laughs> um what was this I'm fine about it I'm but fine yeah yeah it. fine yeah you can sell out the London Palladium if you want to if you want to do a small venue but fair enough <laughs> if you but, want to be intimate yeah <laughs> anyway yeah <laughs> um so, so she went on a bit late she, no, but the atmosphere before she came on yeah. was like, you know, before a headliner comes on at a festival, like the crackle yeah. of excitement. Well, I saw in, a photo. It looked yeah. amazing in there. There was loads of kids. It looked like, it looked, yeah. right, it looked like a hot ticket. Yeah, it was a bit of a hot ticket. <laughs> it was a fucking boiling room. I tell you, we had to it open, looked hot. Yeah, and we had to open some windows and you're like, how many there's kids on a first floor? We can't really open the windows here. Oh. Um, and then um, we had 12 till 4 in the, in yeah. the function room. And then they put an area of the bar aside for us. Really? Yeah. So you stayed in there? Stayed in the pub till six. Did you get drunk? Um, well, I got drunk later in the evening. So I... I had a couple of drinks. So I, I, I was texting you the night before on the on our little WhatsApp group yeah. with uh, me, you, Rose and Lou. Yeah. And you was all excited about it. Couldn't sleep. I was so excited. Yeah. I get so excited for these things. I can't sleep. So I have to have a drink the night before. And and now, today, I feel quite sad it's over. Oh, that's good. That's nice. Yeah, but it's like I used to with Christmas or with anything I look forward to. But at least you're not chasing the high. You're not, you know, going to random children's birthdays. I am going to one this afternoon. Are you? Not a random one. No, no, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're yeah. not chasing the the high. No. That's fine. But no. you're not Monday going to start going up to kids and go, is it your birthday? No, no, Can no, we no, go no. to a pub? No, no, but, oh, man. I, lo- I love a kid's birthday, Rob. But you messaged at about 11 when Rose said, oh, the buggy's broken and you had to fix it. Yeah, it's unfixable. So you couldn't take the buggy? So well, you yeah, you carry- can push it, but it feels like one of the wheels is, <laughs> there's something wrong. It feels like, you know, when you push a buggy through like sand yeah. or something. Oh, oh, the worst. So it feels like, you know, like... Buggy on a beach. Yeah. Buggy, I'm so happy that I don't know. Buggy on the beach is fucking hell. Oh, it's yeah. like an SAS challenge. Oh, yeah. So our, our buggy feels like it's on a constant beach and I don't know why. There's something like... That's a good TV show. Buggy on a beach? No. SAS parenting. And we get loads of 20-somethings off reality TV. Yeah. That have sort of like settled down now, got a partner, not having kids yet. Yeah. And they do challenges, what it would be like to look after a baby. So we load them up with stuff and say, all right, okay, go and set up on the beach over there. And you're in charge of that child. And then just let like children near them. That is a good idea. But that was consent from the parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Are you going to give your, are you going to give your child... Over to a... Oh, I'll be happy with that. I don't mind, you know. Um, you know, Tom Zanetti trying to... He's already got a kid. That won't work. Um, just trying to... Uh, Amber Gill. Amber Gill. From Love Island and Millie from Love Island. Right, yeah, trying yeah. Trying to look after my kids. Yeah, fine. Um, 
Anyway, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's sorry. Like, it was like a weird sort of like lose left me fantasy, and I end up with someone from Love Island. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a weird celeb couple. Oh. If Lou left you and you started to become like a a celeb oh, data, that, oh, would be, that would be that would be. I yeah, because that <laughs> that would be so horrible. Oh, it'd it? be so cringe. You're just like, so how, how, no, we're doing that. Yeah. So what have you been up to this week? And they're like, I'm pictured falling out of the Groucho with some <laughs> random... <laughs> it's Holly from Geordie Shore, actually. <laughs> oh, my God. How was your week? Yeah, I introduced Holly to my daughters. <laughs> well, where was you? Time and Envy. Time and Envy in Newcastle City Centre. <laughs> anyway, so I'm go- I'm, I feel a bit mad. Oh, that's all right. I'm all jazzed up. So I'm, I'm quite hungover. Buggy's now. broken through sand. You're hungover because you stayed in the pub. No, no, not because we stayed in the pub. So then I, I went, I took my son home, put him to bed. Yep. And then uh, while he was falling asleep, because we were leaving Rose's mum, to, but I wanted to check he was asleep. So you you had a night out after you had the party in the day, went, yep. stayed in the pub for a couple of hours, went back, got the kids to sleep. Well, then- no, no, just my son. Right. And then um, I put him to sleep. Yeah. While he was falling asleep, made myself quite a large gin and tonic and watched Tottenham versus Everton. Oh, it's boring that game, though, wasn't it? Well, when you see as little football as me, it's such a barren, barren desert wasteland, you take anything. Fair enough. Um, and then I went back to the parents' house, one of the parents' houses. Oh, for an after party. For an, where our kids, our daughters were playing. And it, But Rose was Rose's mum had the, the baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, toddler. Yeah. Oh, that's and then you stayed there. Oh God! What time did you leave? I don't know really. But with with your daughter. Well, Rose was the Rose was because I took him back. Then Rose was the more responsible one in the evening. Okay, so you you got loose. I got quite loose. Did you read the book out loud to anyone? That's what you've been known for in the past. No, you I didn't get drunk. read the, didn't read the book. You get out. Drunk and you just I, start going, "Hi everyone, I know we're having a great time, but I'm going to read you a passage from my book that I think is great." No, 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 no I no, didn't no, no, do that. No. I've only done that once in my life. That looking back, that was mad. I've I'd say. There's a lot of things that I've done in the last couple of years that I've put to tape in this podcast where I think <laughs> I don't like that person. And looking back now, real big warning signs that something's not settled. Yeah, in many ways. In many ways. <laughs> Narratively, this podcast has only been going one way. I think, really, if you if you are up to speed on the Rob Beckett, the Josh Riddicombe that we are now, the yeah. old episodes make a lot of oh, sense. Oh, they make a lot of sense, yeah. <laughs> it's like a sociology study. I've, I've got a terrible feeling in a year's time we'll look back on this. <laughs> as well. God, Rob was really oddly obsessed with pubic hair. <laughs> in that Rachel Paris episode. I got a bit drunk last night. Oh, go on. Well, um, Lou was out with the kids and um, staying so at a mate's house. In on your own? In on my own, so I was in the doors on my own. I was sorting, I had loads of stuff to sort out, like boring life admin stuff that I haven't been doing because yeah. we've been loads of PR. So I had a day of admin, and then um, sort of watched football. Then I went to the pub with some mates and oh. sat there and had a few drinks. I had, oh. I had two beers, and then I had five rum and gingers. Oh, and uh, got in at one a.m. It's late, isn't it? Nice. Um, but um, this has happened. I think this is like. So basically, I've been really healthy, been eating really healthy, yeah. and having these sort of protein-shaped things, and it's going really well. And I've not, yeah. so my stomach, so I feel really good because I've not had any all weird yeah, food. Yeah. Anyway, this pub did like burgers and wings and all that, and I really overindulged because I've been good all week. Yeah. And it got to a point in the evening about ten o'clock that I was in pain. My body was aching, and I was like, "I'm going to go home. I feel terrible." Then I did five burps and four farts, <laughs> and then I stayed out for three more hours. <laughs> Absolutely. Did you do them at the table, or yeah. did you go to the yeah. toilet and? I went to the toilet. Yeah, I didn't. You didn't. I did a bit of the table. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. <laughs> and how? In quite... a sort of laddie, brokey way. Yeah, those... like, oh, here up, lads. <laughs> <laughs> those nine things that you did. Yeah. How 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 many minutes did that cover? I'm saying in a five minute period, I went from I'm going home to who wants another one. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it felt like I was balloon being let down. You know, like it was like a hot air balloon landing. Yeah, you know that. Yeah. <laughs> they do that. Yeah, to yeah. Oh, nice. Um, so that was good. Oh, that's good. Oh, but, oh, I haven't told. Oh, you. I should say Go on. on the hangover thing. Yeah, I, I've just done Sunday brunch hangover. Oh, that was of hard work. Well, I, I, you, you must have done Sunday brunch before, right? Yes, I have. It's a long, long day. But I wasn't on for quite a lot of it. No, so I, just... I was on for the first two bits, and then they were like, "You've got an hour off now," and you're like. I've got nothing to do with it. I might as well be on the show. Also, as well, I'm like, as a comedian, I think I do a 90 minute show that people pay for or enjoy, and then come they they come back since I've done number of tours. I I'd say 
get me involved, I can make this, you know, chickpea soup a bit more exciting. I, I back myself to bring the lulls. If you, we're making a chickpea soup, yeah, get, let me get involved. Get this, my cocktail drinking bit was directly before my interview to promote the book. I was like, well, I can't get hammered on the cocktails now. I'm about to do my bit. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it, being a parent? Oh, yeah, I've been yeah. fed food, got driven here, and I've had three cocktails. But, yeah, parenting is hell. <laughs> tough gig. Oh, I need to tell you about this. Is yeah, you love You know you love a, a gig-going-wrong story. Yes, please. So I had a, I had a gig last this week for a... Um, well, it's, it's this new. I won't name the company, but it's a it's a streaming company, um, yeah. based based in Scandinavia that's moving to the UK, yeah. um, and it was they had a big meeting and it was like launching it next year, and um, they're really successful, sort of like a Netflix yeah. competitor kind of thing, and um, they had doing a show called like the Best of British. So it was in London, in a hotel in London, but they'd got every everyone from all their offices around the world. But it's like, but mainly they're Poland and oh, Sweden, it's Norway, be difficult to do stand up, Finland, blah blah blah. Every, yeah. actually, like, they're all in a theatre. No, in like a function room of like, so they've had them, they've had conferences all day. They're oh, sitting no. down for a, a slap up meal, and it's me, and then they've got a singer later, but it's best of British, right? Who's the singer? They had a Spice Girl. Okay. Very exciting. Um, so I'm going on first, and uh, so I go out and I meet the, the big boss, lovely bloke, most Swedish, massive Swedish man I've ever seen, perfect English, chatting, and then and a really fun company. And then I go out to do it, and I say, hello, is it going all right? And as yeah. I've said that, I was like, that's not English. Because they're all Scandinavian, oh, yeah. so they can speak fluent English, but I'm not really speaking oh, fluent English. Oh, mate. Oh, God. I was like, hello, I say, hello, how's it going? You're all right? And I'm like, if you actually break that down, and you're Swedish, and you're trying to translate that, hello, how's it going? You're all right? <laughs> and I was and like, what did it get? Silence, silence. As they trying to work out what this garbage yeah, yeah. mess is. And then I was like, okay. And then I start doing a few bits, and then I, as I'm doing it, I'm sort of like, right, and then I'm like, I've realised you speak fluent English, but you've not. I don't think a lot of you, because they're all sort of like high up in this company, have met an English person that sounds like me. Because if you're high up in corporate, yeah, the English people you meet don't sound yeah, like yeah, me. Yeah, of course. So anyway, I slow down, just slow down yeah. and enunciate. So I start doing that and it gets better, right? Yeah. And I'm struggling a bit. And then at one point, I just go, then uh, I'm panicking. And then I went, isn't Haaland good at football? <laughs> gets a laugh because I'm yeah. sort of like going, yeah. oh I don't know you know trying to bridge yeah. but the problem is I slow down so they, they're getting me now so yeah. it's, I'm like right I'm getting a bit out of steam here but then I realise every joke I do has got really British references in of course so has, like yeah. I've got Centre Parks Philip Schofield The Wombles yeah, oh, and God. a room full of people from they don't know the Wombles. No, try and explain Philip Schofield to a Swede. There's a, there's a lot. To, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to dig don't, into. Right, let's start with a gopher. <laughs> Call it a gopher. It all starts there. It's a, I'm going to take you on a hell of a journey. Here. <laughs> anyway, so I, I but so what happens now is I'm doing it, and all my punchlines aren't getting laughs because they've got no idea what oh, these, yeah, the, yeah. what they are. And it's horrible. So I'm doing it. I'm sort of laughing to myself. And then, and I was like, I said to him, I was like, I feel like I'm driving along the road and ahead of me, I can just see cars that are on fire. <laughs> and they're my punchlines for the joke. And oh, then, oh, God. But, and then I sort of get them on side because I sort of make a yeah, point yeah. of it. All of the staff around the edge are English who sort of know I am and, the, and yeah. are laughing because the stuff's good yeah, yeah. and laughing even more that I'm doing it to people that have given me nothing. Oh, mate. And at one point, the bloke gets his phone out to film and went, fuck off, mate, not that way. I've got to look my kids in the <laughs> no. eye when I get home. Oh. And, then, and then basically it builds and builds and then I do then I do a bit about Lake Blend and how nice lakes are to loads of Scandinavians <laughs> and mountains. I'm like, oh, my God. And then I said, there's a line in a bit where I go, it's horrible, isn't it, when people are laughing at you in another language? Yeah. And not that I'd know tonight. <laughs> oh God! I mean, but every time it died, I went, "Isn't Harland good at football?" Oh God! How long did he have to do? Twenty minutes. Thirty minutes. Thirty. <laughs> oh my word! Oh my, oh, my God. Yeah. God. So I'm doing it. And then, um, oh, and then, but then I basically, I, I got them, by then they were on my side because yeah. they were just aware that it was just cultural references. Yeah. And then I said, isn't Harlan good at football again? And I said, anyway, we've done this now and thank you. And I, went, and I just wanted to let you know that I, you know, you are moving into the British market and I just wanted to curate my set to replicate the challenges you will face <laughs> from Scandinavia to the UK. And I was just, and I went off and it, it was fine, but I was just like that. And honestly, a few years ago, that would have been the biggest death of all time to absolute silence. But yeah. I, I didn't allow myself to beat myself. You know, yeah, what yeah, you yeah. do is you go, you're crap, you, you know, the negative. Now I've not got such a negative voice. I was like, this is what it is. So now just be in the moment and try and navigate around yeah. it. And it was a lot easier, but oh God. When I panic on. in those situations, I'm straight oh. into the audience. 
go, uh, yeah. talk to someone in the front row, say something far too harsh. Oh, yeah, Kevin. Make it worse. He got that. Kevin got yeah. that. Here he is, <laughs> Kevin. And then I just looked at him. Yeah, what are you, wanker? Yeah, probably. He literally went. It's literally. No, that's red He had red socks. I know what here he is, Kevin. Red sock wanker. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> We've Kevin. all been there. <laughs> Poor <laughs> Kevin. Sorry, oh. Kevin. If you're listening, Kevin, I'm sorry, but I had nothing. But <laughs> I was panicking. Isn't Harlem good at football? Oh, God. He is good at football, to be fair. I've got an incredible oh. story. Yeah, go on. That uh, is perfect for this podcast. Let me just find the text. So this didn't happen to me. Right. Okay? But you know uh, the 50-year-old French woman that I'm friends with? <laughs> yeah, go on. So, happened to her husband. She was going to bed. Yep. She took half a sleeping pill because... Um, she took half a sleeping pill because her husband was coming back late and he was going to wake her up. Right, okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> then she's kind of drifting in and out of sleep and she she thinks there's so- someone being attacked in the street oh, outside. No. Yeah, there's a woman screaming. She looks outside. She eventually realises it's someone giving birth oh, on the pavement. Oh, my God. Where's this? The, outside the front of her house. In East London? Clapton. Oh, it's like Victorian London. <laughs> a woman on the floor. <laughs> so, anyway, her husband comes home mm. from uh, with her teenage son. And they come in, and her teenage son's like... How late is he getting back if she... If they've been son? to BMX. BMX. Oh, I've been BMXing. Yeah, right. That late night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Floodlit BMX. Oh, there we go. It's 4am. We better knock it on the head, son. <laughs> Let's do a few more ollies next week, boy. <laughs> Can't be grinding at 4am, 3am, sure. Let's get back and see, Mum. Isn't it not ollie? <laughs> That's a skateboarding, That's isn't my it? best impression yeah, of a French yeah, man. Yeah. Anyway, they walk in, teenage son, very unimpressed. Like, Mum, there's someone giving birth on the, on the pavement outside. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, he off, they, they offer her help. She's like, no. And then yeah. she's still screaming. So oh. the husband goes back out. And he's like, you sure you don't want help? And, she, and they... They'll take you to the hospital. Yeah, he's like, I'm good. do you want me to drive you to hospital? Yeah. Anyway, cut a long story short. She... The hospital's five minutes away. Yeah. But she gives birth in the back of his car. Oh, no. What car's he got? <laughs> oh, covered in blood. <laughs> Uh, as as my friend said, Lucky's a butcher, so it didn't really. <laughs> oh my, this is too much to take in it. So was it? Is he a butcher? Yeah. <laughs> so he was fine with like the blood and stuff. <laughs> How's mother and baby? They're fine. Are they? They're fine. So he took them to the hospital. Yeah. I, he said they. The he, he said he cried. They, they all cried in the car because the emotion oh, of it. Oh, what did they name the child? Nissan Qashqai. <laughs> The child is called George, I think. But there we go. Isn't that oh, an incredible story? That is. How would you cope with that? I would do what they did, but I might have been more forceful, wordy doors to go. I'm take. I just think they were waiting for the someone um, to take them, right? Who didn't show or something? Oh my like god! Like the the grand the, the granddad or something. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. But I, I think yeah, you got. I think they did the right thing. If someone gave birth in your car, do you think you'd keep a cool head? Depends on the car. Red sock wanker. Would we've you got, say? I've got a new car, so I don't want to put them in that one. <laughs> electric I don't, I don't know it's not going to ruin the electrics well, I don't know I've never, I've never I've never had it happen no but um, yeah I'd probably put some towels down yeah and then take them but I think I'd have just gone right we're going and just been quite forceful can you imagine oh. what a thing to do oh actually you know what I might just shut the door and go to bed <laughs> that's the other half of that sleeping tablet if a fucking woman won't shut up <laughs> fuck off just fucking plan better imagine five minutes in a car that's such a, how do you Considering no you go there a lot if it's only five minutes. What? The hospital. <laughs> that was funny on the Nihau interview we did. Oh, he was. We've, so we've done a lot of promo interviews for the books. Yeah. What are your favourites, Ben? I like Nihau because Nihau was great, he, you were talking about how often you go to A&E and you've been there quite a lot. Yeah. And then Nihau was going, they're under a lot of pressure actually, the NHS. You shouldn't be going that much in a jokey way. Yeah. And then they went straight to the news and the headline was, NHS announces the longest waiting time in 17 years. <laughs> God, it was awful. <laughs> it was Because that show gets proper serious, yeah. that Five Live one. Oh, he was great though, wasn't he? Yeah, it was Still good. one of my favourite. One, one of the faves. Um, one of the faves. Oh, I don't know if I tell you this, where... So I was uh, I didn't see the kids all day Sunday last week because I was working. Yeah. And then, because I normally see them on the weekend. And then on the Monday morning, I woke up at like half seven to sort of see, wave them off for school. And then I'd been all off with them like loads over the summer and stuff as well. And then my daughter went, Dad. I was like, yeah, she went, we never see you. <gasps> and I was like, I went, 
Oh, I was only working all day yesterday. Like, and I, I yeah. them on Saturday. Yeah, I took yeah. them out all day Saturday. Yeah. Went, well, I took you out all day Saturday, and I just worked yesterday, and I'm I'm, I'm here now. And you've been sleeping in all morning, seven thirty a.m. <laughs> and then just left the house. Oh God, brutal. That would be brutal. Uh, did but, you did you take it personally? No, I was like, do you know what? I would have a couple of years ago, but I was yeah. like, fuck, fuck you, you. Yeah, fuck, fuck you, off. fuck off, fucking hurry up. Hurry up. Get a move on. Um, right, do you want some correspondence? I've got a boomer story. Yeah. Hi, both. Love the podcast. Help, helps keep me sane through maternity leave. We grew up on a farm, and when my brother was about five, this is a boomer, about five, we went to build a container to Barack stop... Barack Obama. <laughs> if anyone's got any parenting stories about Barack Obama <laughs> for our new feature, Barack Obama. <laughs> Let us know. I love her. If anyone's got a Barack, uh, basically, any Barack Obama <laughs> yeah. anecdote. Sasha, and I can't remember the name of the other kid. I've actually seen him, Barack Obama. Have you? In Berlin, by accident. He, what do you mean? I was in Berlin, and yeah. he drove past. It was like weird, like, Was thing. he president at the time? Yeah, in that big thing, you know, the beast. Yeah, yeah the, the beast, yeah. Yeah, and then it was like, oh, that's a bit weird, isn't it? And I saw him, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh. And then we went into the park. He did that thing where he was doing a world tour. No, I think he was trying to be president. I'm not sure. Well, right, he yeah. just was, but he was doing a world tour of big cities. Yeah, and he gave a speech in Berlin. So I watched. Oh him. yeah, I remember that speech. Yeah, 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 so I watched him give that speech in Berlin. Oh wow, you were there. Yeah, yeah, by accident. We were just going to the park. Amazing. And um, I had a uh, like a Casio watch that the alarm was set for like three o'clock every day, but I forgot to turn it on. And I had a big my big travelling backpack because we were travelling yeah. around on the trains, and it was in the middle of my backpack, and it's like going beep beep. <laughs> and it was like absolute bomb threat alert. I was like, no, it's just my watch, it's just my watch. Everyone's moving away from me. Oh my God. That was awful. Anyway. If we got Michelle on. Uh, Michelle Obama. Yeah, would you say is Barack Obama? I would slip it in. And, what's the <laughs> Do point? Do you think you'd get away with it? This is like, I feel like I'm in year nine. You're, if you actually got to have sex with Kelly Brook, what would you do? I love the fact that the, <laughs> our, now, our now equivalent of having sex with Kelly Brook is interviewing Michelle Obama about parenting. <laughs> Oh dear, Michelle! Um, I've got to ask: Is Barack Obama? Barack Obama. <laughs> anyway, so when they're about five, went to um, build a container to store animal feed, about three meters by three meters. My dad took me to one side and told me to go along with his story. About halfway through building this box, my brother asked why we were building this. My dad replied with a complete straight face: "Because you've been misbehaving, so we have to let you stay here for a while whilst the rest of us live in the family house until you're a good boy." Oh my god! So. He was <laughs> he was five when we got told this. My brother went quiet for the rest of the time he built it. We finished and my dad told him to get in and the rest of us went round the corner so we could hear him crying. Oh, my God. Obviously, we what? went back quite quickly, but the poor boy was distraught. Not sure what's worse, the fact my dad said this or if I went along with it. Oh, my God. That's like a psychological test. It's horrible, isn't it? Yeah. I remember when I was probably about seven or eight, my cousins... We're, we was in like a family holiday and I was sat with my cousins watching a film and then, oh Rob can you go and get something from the other place and they went, went alright so I went and got it and then I come out my like cousin was like 18 jumped out on me behind a tree and scared the living oh, shit god. out of oh, me oh god and he thought it was really funny it was just an awful thing to do <laughs> don't see them anymore horrible side of the family <laughs> you can leave that in <laughs> Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Josh, we also have an announcement this week, don't we? We do. As of today, we have an announcement, Rob. We've decided to do another book. No, we haven't. <laughs> we are getting married. My We've wife left would leave us if I decided to do. <laughs> leave us? That's a, that's a one. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, that's a worry. That's no, a real so worry. The announcement is, Josh. We're so to bad at that. It's, it's what, like... <laughs> yeah, but you're awkward at all this kind of stuff. Should I do the announcement? I don't okay, like so Yeah, you do the announcement. I'll just keep interrupting you. The announcement is from the 8th of November... This podcast yep. will be moving to Spotify and will be exclusive on Spotify, still for free, yep. but you have to listen. Still for free, that's the key, exactly. isn't it? So you just have to listen to it from the Spotify app. You can just download it like any other app and listen to this podcast for free. Same episodes on Tuesday and Friday. Nothing's changing apart from you have to listen to it through the Spotify app for free. 
So yeah. that's happening from the 8th of November. It won't be on Apple ones or the other ones or whatever they are. If you're, if you're worried we're going to like go all professional. No. Nah. You're worried that we're going to... Oh, my word. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 They know no, what they no. let themselves in for. Things that will still be happening. Go on. Me and Rob talking over each other. Are you going to buy new um, headphones now on Spotify? No, me using ship <laughs> headphones. Michael's Wi-Fi going down to the Friday episode going yeah. up at 3 p.m. All these things you can still... We'll still be doing them. We'll still be doing them. Oh, the also... Reason- yeah, go oh, you go. Because that's what I was about to say. That you, okay, you go, okay, you do it then, because this shows how slick we are. I'll do what you were going to do, and I was, was going to do something. Is this bit staying in? This is unbelievable. <laughs> As if to prove nothing's changing. <laughs> this is the announcement. This is, is this still the announcement? This oh is the God. pre-agreed script we've been sent. <laughs> <laughs> I can't All believe these that Spotify have dictated every single word of this. It took 15 people to write this to make it feel authentic. <laughs> Um, but the reason we're moving is... Oh, you're podcast. doing it now, are you? Okay, I'll do yeah. it now, yeah. Oh, you doing it. I'll do it. Well, the reason we're moving uh, over to Spotify is the podcast takes up a lot of time and a lot of organisation, a lot of logistics to do, and we were finding it very difficult to do. But by moving to Spotify, we can um, prioritise it and make sure that it's the we're main thing We're binning off do. some other less important things. We're binning yes. off some other less important things. So that's our announcement done, Josh. Um, I thought we nailed it, Rob. Now, Rob... It's a big day. As a little treat for our listeners, we've got a guest on Tuesday, and he's a guest we were very excited about, Gary Neville. It's a special Tuesday episode. And why do our listeners deserve that treat, Rob? Well, because they have, well, not helped us. They've got us on their own, nothing to do with us, to number one in the book charts. Number one? The, we're Sunday Times' number one bestseller, we Rob. The number one book sold in the UK was Parenting Hell, so thank you so much. And a big thank Heart you... Hardback non-fiction. Hardback, shut up, don't get bogged down by that. Forget Richard Osman exists. But genuinely, thank you so much. Um, we really appreciate you buying number the book. One. Number one. in the charts. Number one. No, we're number one best-selling authors. It's like John Grisham and Patterson. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much. We really do appreciate it, and uh, we're really proud of the book, and the audio book as well. Um, has sold brilliantly so thank you very very much thank you so much uh genuinely and um as a treat we look forward to uh the news next week that we're still number one well fingers crossed or not fingers crossed yeah, we'll or not if we don't mention it next week then we're angry with you because we're still number <laughs> no number we're one. not angry with them we're very grateful we'll always be very grateful josh yeah we'll always be very grateful we'll always be grateful for this right and now once we've done four weeks at number right, one josh stop i've got a taste you, for it Rob. i've got a taste no, for it. this is what makes you burn out that taste <laughs> You've got to calm down. Someone get me some mouthwash. I've got a taste can, for it. Okay, you can be <laughs> you can be number one and sad, or number six and happy. Okay, I'll take number one and sad, please. <laughs> um, right, brilliant guest we got now. Um, he managed yeah. to squeeze oh, us into a busy schedule. Legend. We were so excited about this, but do you know who's more excited? As you'll what? find out in the interview, my wife. Yes. Here is England's greatest ever right back, Gary Neville. Gary Neville, welcome to Parenting Hell. We're both very excited to have you on this, to be honest. We don't, you know, we don't want to big you up too much. We're big fans. Starstruck. There aren't many of them. Well, Josh <laughs> genuinely is. Not just <laughs> me. My wife is so jealous. She's the world's biggest Gary Neville fan. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Is this, she... is this from the from Man United? Like, the, from the start? No, or... no, no. Well, she, no, I'll be honest with you. It's from Monday Night Football. She abso- she's not even that into <laughs> football. But she absolutely loves you, and to a lesser extent, Jamie Carragher. But mainly you. I was just you. Gonna say, what did she think? What did she think of the Scouser? No, she's not that fast. She's not that fast. <laughs> and so, so I, she's not that into football. But I'll put it on. But she, she also now I've converted her to Gary Neville's soccer box as well. She loves it. Anything Gary Neville based. What she's obsessed. Oh, wow. Have you found you've got a new, uh, new, new female fan since the after playing <laughs> career? Gary, because I never had you down as a heartthrob while you played. No, I don't think many people have ever had me down as a heartthrob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's fair to say not many. No, I don't. I don't think I've got a fear. I mean, I'm not exactly uh, David Beckham. No, um, she's not into David Beckham, Gary. It's all about oh, you. Is she not? No, really. Yeah. All right. I I was thinking then there must be a reason behind her interest in me. It must be access to Bex or something <laughs> like that. Or... <laughs> There's no way it can be genuine. She said, "Has he got a number for Phil Neville?" That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> well, you must have had that though when you were like playing at Man United. That did you feel like sometimes you were just people's roots of Beckham with uh, when you was out and about with David? 
I spent most of my life at United, definitely, if it was ever even, well, there was a media days or if there was a team day out. I certainly wasn't the point of interest when you got Beckham, <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo and all the rest of the lads sort of like, you know, wandering around. Um, no, but I think I actually enjoyed that in some way. That, that's, that actually informed my early days on Sky. When you look at me on my early days on Sky, I mean, I look a right mess. I've got the... The hairs, and I actually played on it a little bit because I actually didn't like the idea of being, you know, this. I didn't like the idea of being groomed or styled, mm -hmm. and there was this, all this style advice that they tried to give, and I almost resented it and resisted uh, until I realised that actually I think I do look a bit of a mess here, and I need to sort myself out. <laughs> when, so I actually then decided to bring in a hairdresser, so I'd have my hair cut now. <laughs> well, no, Professionally there, in London. There is that clip of you when you're a bit nervous when you first started, when you you asking one of the managers if they've Mancini. ever... Mancini. Mancini, that one. And that, yeah, yeah, you do look a bit... But that is, it is when you first move, make that step from being a player to a pundit, it must be quite stressful. But we've got to yeah. start talking about your kids in a minute. Or this is, this is I know, two I blokes know. talking that, to a footballer. I, I'm I, Roberto. I never thought you'd be speaking to me. That was, that was, that. <laughs> That was my first question ever to a manager on Monday Night Football. How I ever kept the gig, I'll never know. Loads of livid Man City fans want to know about formation. Going, oh, you never think you speak to me. <laughs> um, sorry, we yeah. should we should you know briefly take it onto topic, and then we'll go back to the questions we actually want to ask. <laughs> <laughs> So, Gary, uh, oh, I know this because I follow you on Instagram, and I've seen I've seen your family on holiday. That was creepy. Um, but um, what what's your family setup, Gary? Married with two children, both girls, twelve and thirteen. Oh, okay. So you're you're going into the the hardcore teenage years. Are you are you nervous, or is it is it going all right? No. Do you know something? I, it actually annoys me a little bit because you meet all the way through the different stages of being a parent. Even before children are born, they'll say, oh, your life will change. You know, you'll get no sleep. And then you get them to twos. And it's, oh, it's the terrible twos. Now you get into that phase, aren't you? And then you get to fives. Like, oh, they're going to school and that's difficult. And you know something? I have to say this, and maybe it's because of my approach. And maybe, to be fair, my wife feels slightly different than I do. Um, honestly, for me, my relationship with my girls, I almost feel like, Obviously, I'm the dad and, you know, they're my daughters. But I almost feel like in some ways it's a friendship whereby nothing that they can do really bugs me or annoys me. I don't get angry with them anymore. Actually, I don't get angry with them at all, actually. And I was, because I don't see them all the time because I'm away quite a bit with obviously doing the football. And, some, and I was with England, obviously, as a coach. And I used to go to World Cups for a month. I actually appreciate my time with them. And I've never found any stage yet so far of their lives where I've thought, oh, I don't like this. And mm. even now I can see the fact that you know, I can see there's, there's, there's makeup has started to be introduced and yeah. there's an influence of, say, social media platforms. And I'm like, you know, I want them to get really good at social media. And in terms of sort of the makeup and the changing of appearances and wanting to wear dresses or wanting to wear things that, you know, you know, teen, teenage girls wear, I'm thinking, well, was this always not going to be the case that they were going to grow up and that they were going to want to yeah. go through this phase? So I actually feel... I don't know. I feel quite good about my relationship with the children, and I don't feel as though I'm daunted by what's coming. To be fair, that that is that is. I'm a naive. I'm a naive. Does that sound like a naive? No, it fart? doesn't. It's pretty, I, I like it. it. Sounds like you've got it together, which might be quite hard going for the next forty-five minutes. If you've nailed <laughs> everything there is to do with parenting, but we'll find a way. Did you? Um, and I, cause I see you as a kind of authority figure. That's how I'd see you as a parent. Would that be fair to say? Honestly. Never in a million. My relationship at home with my children is the one relationship I think probably in my life where, uh, with my wife as well, where I'm not the authority figure. I, as yeah. in, I've always felt as though, obviously, even on Sky, you speak with authority and you feel, you know, you, you speak with a determination. At home, honestly, I am nothing like that. Absolutely oh, wow. the opposite. I because to be honest, when I go home, I don't take my professional life home with me, and I never have. So there's no football paintings around the house. There's no football shirts. There's no reference to. Um, you know, my career or anything. I always wanted to get away from my professional life at home. And so I see it completely differently. And I'm not like that at home at all. And with, so for instance, tonight, I've been away for a week. I went to Singapore and then I've been in London and still in London now and I go home tonight. And my eldest daughter said that she wanted to go around to my mum's tonight, which I thought was a little bit disrespectful personally <laughs> <laughs> because I've been away for a week. And I'm like, well, do you not want to see me? And, and I think if I was being authoritative I said I've not seen you for a week I want you to stay at yeah. home with me but I've said no that's what she wants to do go on yeah. you're an independent thinking 
you know, young person, go for it. You go and spend another night away from me if you want. <laughs> but the youngest daughter, but the youngest daughter stayed at home because she's got a little bit. To be fair, she's a little bit nicer than my older one. <laughs> my, my, older, my, my older one's a bit like me. I love her to death, but she's a little bit sort of, she, she has the sort of blinkers on, quite focused, yeah. and she go, knows what she wants, and she wants to go to my mum's, so she goes to my mum's. Oh, so a week away, and she's around the nan's house. Yeah, she's around the nan's, and she probably likes being with my mum more than she likes being with me, because my mum looks after her, and you know they'll watch netball games together, and she'll give her what she wants food-wise, and things like that, and yeah, just like nans do, really. And with your, with like the, the girls, I've seen it on your Instagram where you, you almost feel like the annoying younger brother to them, where you're filming that, them and winding them up. Is that your sort of role with them? You're not, you know, you say you don't take your work home and you're not the authority figure. No, that is a, what you see, to be fair, on Instagram is pretty much how I am at home with yeah. them in terms of just trying to joke with them, laugh with them, um, you know. I suppose, yeah, it is a little bit like that. And I embarrass them enormously. And I always thought that, <laughs> and we all think we're quite cool dads, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> and we can't, that's the one thing I can't quite work out. Why are they so embarrassed about me? Am I not like a, am I not a cool dad? And I think every dad, that I've, every dad that I've spoke to feels the same. But we're all, we're all an embarrassment to our children, aren't we? At yeah, this yeah. point in their lives. And I find that a little bit difficult at times, as, you know, I think the friends quite like when they come around, but what I do, so I definitely am one of those parents that I encourage sleepovers. So they've had loads of sleepovers. We even took the friends on holiday with us um, in, in the summer for five, six days, even though they're quite young. I just feel like I want them to be able to be around the friends, bring them around. But and I find that when they're in the house and with the friends, I they definitely will not be in the same room as I am. <laughs> <laughs> they want to be in a different room, whatever room that is. I mean, I could move from room to room. I think they'd actually prefer to be in sort of like, the, you know, the boiler cupboard than be in the room that I'm in. So, uh, because they are just too young to remember you as a footballer, or do they just remember the end of your... They, rem they remember me as the as, as the, the guy who played 600 matches and only scored seven goals, which is a great embarrassment. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they, they bring they, up your they, lesser credits then, would you say? To your face mm. with that would they say they that do they, they do they do to be fair criticize me heavily um <laughs> and also you know even on television and stuff like that they, if they see me which is probably rare um uh, they do say things that you know isn't particularly pleasant that's that that is the relationship i have with them it's quite direct and honest and forthright i don't you know i I like it that way i think it feels to me more natural um obviously there are times when you know the they are, you know, we are dad and daughters and stuff. Yeah. But generally, I think my relationship with them, I, I quite like it. I feel like they could become my best friends in a few years and we could go out and have a drink together and stuff like that. And that's how I always wanted it. It's how my dad's relationship was with my sister, yeah. whereby they used to go out drinking together at the end. Um, you know, when, when my sister grew up, they go out and they drink together and like come back at three in the morning. I Amazing. think that's mad, that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, mean, but then that's the relationship that my sister had with my dad. And I feel I might have that type of relationship with them at some point that I might sort of, they might, yeah, come back that way. But yeah, it's, it, that's, that's how it's been for me with them. Well, do you, and you're, you're a very driven person, like you're like famously so. And how much do you try and instill that in your children? Or are you just letting them do, find out things for themselves? Or how much are you putting your kind of, Gary Neville attitude into the house. There's certain, yeah, there's certain things. There are certain things that, to be fair, I, I think are really important. So if we're on holiday, um, or if um, they did they, they, they train for netball four or five times a week and play two games yeah. a weekend, so they, they're working really hard on the fitness of the sport. But if we're on holiday, I do expect them to train with me and us. Yeah, I expect that. The, I, I don't like the idea of them not being active. Um, so I think things like in the morning, get yourselves up, get yourselves ready, you know, go downstairs, make your own breakfast. Because at the end of the day, if you want to be independent and do what you want to do, like go to my nan's tonight, yeah. well, hang on a minute, don't turn into the sort of, don't turn into the sort of little baby in the morning and say, go and get me this, go and get me that. So, you know, I, I literally, they make their own breakfast in the morning. They obviously get themselves ready now, they're 12 and 13, so they can do, but I expect them to actually be adults in that way as well what time are you getting up on holiday are you getting up early no 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 i'd let them sleep in but i'd expect them that they would come and train and th that they would 
you know, work on the fitness and, and because they want, they love netball. They, they, they adore it. And it's a big part of it. And it's what my sister does. She trains in the morning. We all train in the morning. We get, we get up and we train. And so I expect them to do that. Cause I think one, that is a really good, I, I think sport and fitness are the two things that are probably in some ways, and maybe, and I don't have to be because they love it and they do it themselves. So there's no, yeah. there's no sort of what would be, I have to say, do this, do that. I'm not, there's nothing like that. But I think sport is a brilliant, if you have a sporting upbringing, I think it's something that can be really good for you in a number of different ways. Physical health, mental health, learning about success, learning about failure, learning about being in a team, working with people. You're all equal on a court. It doesn't matter what religion you are, what colour of skin, you know, where you were born. It equalises everybody as a sports team. And I like the idea of that. For me, that's what sport does when you're younger. You're all together. You're in it together. Um, and I like the idea of that. So that, they, they, that's the one thing that I think I would be really against if they said to me, I want to give up playing netball, which they won't because they love it like you wouldn't believe. Um, and then the fitness side of it is really important, I think, in life just generally. Were you, because for people that don't know, obviously you and Phil played football for England and Man United and, and you know, and Everton. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> And your sister... We raised we raise that part of our oh, yeah, life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only joking, Everton fans. Only joking. <laughs> it's too late, Gary. <laughs> yeah. uh, your sister played uh, netball for England. So was it a really sporting household that you grew up in? Like, And did that come from your parents? It did. My mum... My mum believe it or not, I've told part of the story about my daughter tonight. My mum my plays netball every Monday night and she's... I'm going to wake up my mum's age now. She's 70, 71, I think. Or oh, 60, wow. Yeah, she's 71. And believe it or not, my daughter is actually 13. She's playing in my mum's netball team and she's played for the last few weeks. <laughs> and Incredible. they're playing netball. To, they're actually playing netball together. Oh, and I actually haven't been, I haven't been to watch them yet, but I actually think it's amazing yeah. that my mum at 71 is playing with my daughter who's 13. And that's part of the reason she wants to go tonight and then she'll sleep over. Yeah. Uh, but I could not stop my daughter going there tonight to have that experience yeah. of playing with my mum and how my mum was yeah. with Tracy when she was younger and they were playing netball together and rounders together. So we've always been brought up in this sporting environment of you play netball, you play rounders, you play cricket. My dad played cricket, we watch football or play football. Um, so it has been a massive influence on our lives. And obviously my mum and dad worked at Berry Football Club um, for 20, 30 years as well. So we've always been surrounded by sports. So, yeah, I think that that's that's where the influence comes from. And um, I suppose my, my sister actually is probably, if you said to my two daughters, who are you here, who's your hero? They would say my, they would say my sister, yeah. I would think. Do you find it easier having daughters that are into netball than if you had a son that was playing football and in academies? Would, or would it be exactly the same? He could, he, he could be in the Man City Academy at this moment, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I think generally because of just my life in terms of sort of what would be doing the football at weekends, for, obviously on the television, and me not being able to be there quite a lot of weekends because of covering the games, I think it's just worked perfectly for me. They've had no choice about it. They are two girls. But I think the fact that they they do play netball, I go and watch them every time that I can. Yeah. Um, at a weekend, I absolutely love it. Um, netball's my second sport now. I would say um, it used to be cricket, but I'd say netball now is. The, I, I, if England are playing netball, uh, I know they were playing this weekend. I'll be watching it. Um, I love watching England netball. I've watched Manchester Thunder. I love watching my daughters play netball. Um, so for me, that sporting environment's just been really important to us. I think and. It influences everything in our lives that we do. I think in some ways. And do you do you find it difficult with your schedule though? Because as well as the sort of punditry, you've got the overlap, which is amazing. The YouTube series you're taking that on tour. I think you're doing. Is it Wembley Arena you're doing with Carragher and Roy Keane? Is that coming up? Yeah, we're doing yeah. November tenth. We're doing Wembley Arena. Um, me, Roy, Cara, Josh Denzel, and Kelly Cates. And yeah, I think to be fair, I wanted two years ago, three years ago maybe, I wanted to build my own non-live sports platform yeah. and had this aspiration to do it um, about long form interview, engaging with fans in, auth in authentic sort of type of content. And then I always wanted to take it live onto a stage. Yeah. And so we did that in Manchester last Christmas and it was, we all enjoyed it. So we're going to do it again. We're going to do uh, London Wembley arena, November 10th. And out of Carragher and Roy Keane, who would you prefer as your dad? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, Definitely Roy Keane. I mean, <laughs> would you? I, yeah, I think I think so. I mean, imagine that accent twenty four hours a day. <laughs> I mean, I go on Monday night football. I go on that Monday night football. And I've got him in my ear for like six hours, and I, I, I 
them away at night. Think, oh, God, that was hard work. <laughs> Everything's really fast, isn't it? <laughs> Everything's fast. <laughs> and it's like, and to me, I don't need fast in my life. So to me, you know, I, I must have a brilliant relationship with him. But no, definitely I would think Roy Keane. He looks a lot on Instagram. He looks like a really fun dad. His Instagram's really fun. He's messing around with his kids. Have you seen this? Like, he looks like a fun dad, Roy Keane. I think that everybody that's in the public eye, you know, they're not the same person as you think they are ordinarily, are they at home? They're different than than they they obviously are in their professional life or working life or media life. And I think Roy is probably one of the greatest examples of that in terms of, you know, he'll come to watch Salford or he'll be at a Sky game or, you know, he'll be at ITV in the World Cup and charming, storyteller, funny, um, still with that same honesty that you see on television, but, you know, completely different in terms of a character. I think people have seen that a few times, obviously, since he finished playing football. You know, the interview I did with him for the overlap, the yeah. dog walk, which I think that, you know, people see that side of him in that long, that conversation type element of just just what he is. And I think, yeah, he, I think he would be a, I think he'd be a good dad. His kids obviously have a, obviously have a great relationship with him. The, the Paul Scholes interview is amazing as well, especially when he's talking about his son who suffers with autism. Yeah. And we have a lot of listeners that sort of you know love as much content about that as possible, but there's not much out there. We've spoken to a few. Paddy McGuinness has been on and talking about his kids. But yeah. It was really good, especially for Paul Scholes, who's one of those sort of old school blokes that doesn't open up much. I and mean, you've known him for years. Did you find that quite sort of shocking how much he opened up to you? Or was you expecting it and you had a chat beforehand? Yeah, there were things within the interview, even though I literally I sat next to him in the dressing room for 15 years at United and I would class him as, you know, one of the people that I've liked most in my life. But because it's that, it's what it's that male thing, isn't it? You don't tend to talk to each other when you're with each other about your vulnerabilities, your potential, how you're feeling that day. You put that mask on, don't you? You get into that changing room or you go onto a television programme and you do your job and you never know what's happening sometimes. Um, you know, I think that the reality of it is, Paul, that day, there were a couple of things I actually felt a little bit sort of, I suppose, guilty on my side as well. So things like whereby you don't ask him mm. about, mm. for instance, what he's enjoying doing. And I, you know, I found out he's been doing the recruitment for Salford with the recruitment team for the last six months. And I obviously oversee that from a point, and I'd not even asked him whether he was enjoying it, whether he liked it. So I found out on the overlap interview that it was something that he was really enjoying. And the first yeah. thing he'd enjoyed since he finished playing football, that's bad for me because we just take each other for granted in terms of our, you know, we just get on with life, don't we? You just you go for a drink or you go to do something or you go to watch a game of football and you don't tend to go into that personal detail that with each other that you really should do. But that's, that's just, I think, adults it's certainly mm, men yeah. who, who find it very difficult to open up and talk about their vulnerabilities when, when you're in the dressing room and there's like all those footballers around and often like there were footballers that are having kids at that time and stuff does it come up much like are you is david beckham going bloody hell i'm having a nightmare with brooklyn is not sleeping through or whatever <laughs> does that come up no at all? It, do you know something, Dave? So I, because obviously at the time, you know, I would maybe speak to David about, say, for instance, maybe things like that. But do you know something? If you're at Manchester United, you're playing under Sir Alex Ferguson, you've got to win a Premier League title. You don't come in and talk about basically, you know, how much your kid slept last night. No, you don't, honestly. I mean, what I'm saying to you is you're going in there to, to get your pre-activation done, you're stretching, you're warming yeah. up. You're going out onto that training pitch to basically give 100%, kick basically shit out of each other for, for an hour and a half, which <laughs> yeah. is what we did. Yeah. Come back in, warm down, have a massage, rest. And the fact of the matter is the focus is always the Saturday game. Right. That's not to say we didn't enjoy ourselves. Yeah. But the idea that you would come in and talk about a personal issue in a group environment of a football changing room, honestly, that is just not going to happen. Obviously, that it was successful, though. You was amazing and you won everything. But is there a world when, if you could open up a bit more, like with, you know, Paul and he's talking about his son, and that you could understand what was, you know, because he said he didn't play well in games and your head wasn't in it, that if, 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 like, if you did open up, that would have helped players play better? I, I think, yes. I think you're right. Um, I think that, I mean, I lost my confidence for about six months, went to see a psychologist at United, I went to see the doctor. What footballers will tend to do is go and see the doctor at the club. That's mm. the person they trust the most to, to open up to. They don't go to the manager, their coaches, they don't go to their fellow teammates because you're feeling that you've got to protect. You can't go, if you go to the manager or the coaches, or the, I'm not saying you couldn't do, because you could, There was that, was that wasn't a door that was yeah. closed. It's just that you wouldn't do that because you might then, they might then, 
you thought that might then influence team selection or you thought that that might influence the way in which the teammates thought of you. So you tended to keep things to yourself and you tended to speak to maybe the person that you trusted, which was the doctor that you know as medical confidentiality. And then the doctor would put you into a psychiatrist, psychologist. They would then open up that counselling line to you. And I then didn't speak about that. That was at 24 I was when that happened to me. And I didn't speak about that until I was 36 in my book. I didn't. Oh, yeah. I, I just thought it was. I just thought it was a weakness. That was very early, like in that stage of talking about mental health. I know you didn't. Well, wasn't public with it, but to do that at 24 is very switched on of you to address it. Yeah, and yet Paul had all these really serious issues in his life that he was thinking about. He told me in the interview. Yet he told me that he never went to see anybody. He mm. just kept them bottled up to himself, and he thought, well, just I've just got to get on with it. I've got to get over it. I, you know, that's it. It's just that. That's. You know, the old, the same 20 years ago, it was man up, wasn't it? it you yeah. know what I mean? It was, you'd even say it to yourself. Go yeah. on, pull yourself yeah. together, man up. You know, that's what you'd say to each other. You know, get on with it. If anybody's, no one cried in a changing room at Manchester United. 20 years later, we know a lot more. We understand a lot more. We accept that people aren't in good places all the time. And ultimately, we have to make sure that we deal with these vulnerabilities and put the support systems in and around players and obviously not just in players but people in businesses in all walks of life so how you know you're so busy at the moment you do all the punditry the overlap live shows as well as running numerous businesses that aren't all football based you've got you know loads of stuff going on and you know the football club that you own and run and there's people like relying on you for their wages how how do you like compartmentalize that and 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 when do do you sometimes have to speak to people when you're feeling a bit overwhelmed or how do you cope with all that and then still getting home to be dad and husband how, how do you manage yeah it all? i mean i think i've changed quite a bit in the last two or three years so i always train in the morning now which i, I stopped doing after i finished playing football and i put weight on and i felt terrible and i was drinking wine i found wine obviously after football yeah. which you do <laughs> when you're younger you're like 25 and you say you hear these sort of like people talking about oh red wine what red wine do you want do you want a Bordeaux do you want a Burgundy you think what assholes these lot are these posh assholes <laughs> <laughs> that, that basically a, 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 a drink they talk about this red wine like it's some sort of like vintage unbelievable thing anyway then you find yourself at 36 37 sort of swilling it around the glass <laughs> 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 you're a Bordeaux <laughs> and you join them and then you find cheese goals with it don't you <laughs> <laughs> and red meat and all of a sudden you start feeling really shit and I did do yeah I have a, a really strict regime now where I, I train in the morning and I try to get home by half five six when I'm in the, when I'm in Manchester and I'm in the office and then at six till nine ten o'clock is where I switch off and I've, I've, I've started to do that a lot more and I feel as though that sort of routine has helped me now uh, in terms of sort of just you know bringing back sort of that normality into my life. I was uh, When I first finished fo- playing football, I was England coach, working for Sky, doing all the businesses, away all the time. And to be fair, it was just absolutely ridiculous. It's still a little bit ridiculous now, but I do feel this great responsibility to be an, you know, an employer, someone who has you know people who obviously work with them in the teams. And it is an obligation that I feel is the most serious that I have, obviously with family. But the fact that we have four, five, 600 people in our businesses in Manchester, and they're all relying upon me and on us to make sure that those businesses are sound and solid. And I do feel it's a responsibility that all business owners have. And but I think we do it pretty well, to be honest with you. I think we look after our teams. I think we look. I think we make sure they're good. But it does bring that bit of added pressure. One of the worst things in the world is is having to sack someone. Mm. You know, and that's something that still you know in football clubs I've had to do it and I've made mistakes with it. You know, there are still those difficult conversations to have. I've been trying to get rid of Josh. Have you got any tips? <laughs> Just do it really quickly. Okay. Um, Gary, what are you doing next week? I need a new, <laughs> new presenter. One of the things you did uh, post-football was you went and managed in Spain, in Valencia. Did you take your... <laughs> You're going out in a blaze of glory in your last show, Josh. <laughs> it, took, it, it, it took you 20 minutes, Josh. Well done. I mean... <laughs> Interesting. I didn't know you managed there. How did that go? <laughs> you've asked me questions about my kids to make it go. <laughs> no, 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 no. You've, gone, you've, gone, you've gone down the Valencia no, route. No, I'm bringing it back to kids because I think this is an interesting thing for kids because you obviously were a one-club man, but footballers move around and they have to move their family around and stuff. Did, did you move your family out to Spain? And if it had gone on for years, would you were you planning on moving your daughters out to Spain? No, no. So basically, one of my pets. So it wasn't when... about Valencia. It wasn't about... <laughs> 
you're covering it in a sort of roundabout yeah, way, yeah. aren't you? The right, answer so. is they were on the way, but he got sacked, so they just turned around at the airport and come straight home. Gary, you got sacked after four months. It was a pretty appalling performance. But how are your kids there? Yeah. <laughs> Did you make them watch it? Were they sad? Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to them, me getting sacked, they wanted to come home. But on a serious note, they, that was probably... It was probably the toughest four months, definitely the toughest four months I've had since I finished playing football. Because one, the children didn't settle in the school. Yeah. But I was really intent on what I hate is when managers, coaches, players take a big step in football and then they try and do it without committing to mm, a city, yeah. to a club. And it was really important to me that uh, Emma and you know Molly and Sophie, they came out with me the first day I went out there and they left the day that I left. They had Spanish lessons, we had Spanish lessons four times a week. We put them in a, uh, a, a an English speaking Spanish school, and you know something. One of the great regrets I have, other than the results and not doing the job that I wanted for the owners uh, in Valencia, is that I actually would have loved to have been a success for two years. Not because I wanted to actually increase or extend my managerial career or coaching career, because I was doing this particularly as a not as a as, not as a favour, but it was a, it was definitely something I wouldn't have done if I had known the owners. I really. Like, for instance, Philip Philip was out there for two years. Harvey and Isabella, his two children, speak fluent Spanish, as does mm, Julie. Right. And that's something brilliant that I think yeah. that you could have, I could have had if I'd been out there. But to be fair, I think I've told this story before. That I, I only learned a few words. I think concentration, which was concentration. Yeah. <laughs> Adios. <laughs> I think that's that was the my key word out there for four months. Um, Vamos. Yeah. Vamos and concentration. <laughs> The last couple of questions, uh, Josh is going to do the final one. I've got one quick one before we do that. Um, your kids are getting a bit older now that, you know, at 16, they can start working. You obviously got a great work ethic and you've made a, you know, a lot of yourself built this empire now. Do, do you expect them to be working straight off at 16 or, you know, because there is a worry that they've got this lifestyle now that you've built that they could, you know, take the foot off the gas. That is never, ever going to happen. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not, they're they're not going <laughs> to honestly no word of a lie they they know that that the one thing that i expect the only it's a simple thing really from everybody that i actually i know i work with my children you know you get up every single day you work as hard as you can and you don't give in and you come back the day after they're the only sort of three guidelines i think mm. that i ever want to live by because i think that once you've done that you really can't do anything more than that so the idea that they think they could get up in the morning and say oh i don't want to go to school today or you know i'm, I'm going to miss my netball training or I'm not gonna work. I'm not gonna work hard when I when I leave school because I think you might have a bit of money, Dad. That is absolutely gonna be that. That's almost that's gonna be a divorce in our relationship for that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, honestly, I, I feel I feel quite harsh. Now I know it's never gonna happen because I think that the values that we put into them is that they they get up and they work hard. They're independent thinking. They make their own decisions. But you've got to turn up. It's really simple. Just for Alex Ferguson, even if we had a team night out when we were playing. I don't care what time you come in tonight, but tomorrow you turn up and you have mm. to turn up in life. And the reality of it is they, they, if they don't do that, they've lost everything in their working and professional lives and then you lose respect. So no, they they have to do that. Um, would you prefer your daughter to come home and say she was now a Man City fan or uh, she's now got a job working for Boris Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! No, knowing how my post football career has gone in terms of Liverpool and City, it'll probably be both. <laughs> oh. um, I, I would say, to be fair, I'd rather. I mean, they'll never support City, <laughs> um, and and to be fair, they won't ever support someone like Boris Johnson either. Because, like I say, I think they, they're, they're as they get normal. older, they might become conservatives. Everyone gets a bit more right wing as they're older, Gary. <laughs> Uh, I don't think in my family that will happen to them. <laughs> I mean, what I'm saying to you is they were stuck in with me for that two years or 12 months during COVID, watching the clown every night at five o'clock. They, 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 they saw enough of him themselves. Um, and the final questions, Gary, that we ask everyone this, um, with your, your partner, your wife, what are the two things, or well, the one thing that um, annoys you, the way she parents, and um, the other thing, what's the best thing about her as a parent? The one thing that annoys me about the way in which Emma parents the yes. children. That this is a this is I can't win here, can I? I mean, I've just been away. I've just been away for seven days, and I'm actually now doing a criticism and a critique on a, on a massive podcast of my wife. I mean, that is going to go down really well. That um, what's the one thing? 
I don't know. I think all mums maybe worry a bit too much, don't they? But just a natural worry yeah, and instinct yeah, yeah. to sort of concern themselves with. I hope they're okay there. We'll Gutless. be okay going to that event. Or, you know, for instance, well, you know, our youngest went to Alton Towers yesterday. And so there'll be, a, there'll be a worry about, but you just have to let them fly from the nest, don't yeah. you? You have to let them go. So I think it, it's not a criticism, but I would say probably a little bit of a worries too much, but it comes from love and a good place. And what's the best thing? Uh, do you know something? It's like my mum to me. She's the best person that I've ever met in my life. It's unconditional. She's the, she's, she would put us in front of anything, my mum. And I know Emma would do exactly the same for the children. She would put the children in front of anything and anyone at any time. But to be fair, your mum has poached your daughter for a netball game rather than your daughter seeing you. So she's put she's put her granddaughter before her son tonight. <laughs> oh, she has, and she would do that regularly. No, absolutely not. I'm the most unpopular figure in my own family. <laughs> and, in, and in Liverpool. Oh, and in Liverpool, yeah. And Valencia. Um... <laughs> Gary, your November 10th, the Overlap Live at Wembley Arena. Can you tell us anything about the show? Um, it's going to be conversational, I think, because of the three characters that you've got on stage and with, the, with obviously Kelly and Josh yeah. hosting. It'll be storytelling. It'll be football. It'll be life. It'll be stuff like this. It'll be seeing a different side to us. There's obviously, yeah. um, you know, we're quite honest characters as well. So I think that we'll definitely make sure that we have a bit of a pop at one another. What I like about the sort of the overlap or sort of what we do, it feels to me like it's three football fans who used to play football in a pub having an argument and yeah. a row and a, and, and a debate and sometimes an agreement. <laughs> and that's how I think the overlap is. It's that authentic content, but with people who played the game. And I think that that's what I wanted to do with it when, when, I, when I set it up a couple of years ago. So I think you'll see more of that really. Um, you're doing everything. Is there anything left to be done? What's on the Gary Neville to-do list? No, the one thing that I want to do when I'm 50, I don't like I keep saying 50, it's three years away or two and a half years away. <laughs> I'd like to bring my life back to a single focus professionally, Yeah. Um, whereby I don't have these sort of different multiple roles, seven or eight roles in different, you know, the hotels, the football club, the development, Sky, the over. I'd rather, so that's my aim is to somehow try and get to a fixed singular role uh, where I can be laser focused every single day. But that that's doesn't feel like it's coming soon, but that's how I'd like, where I'd like to get to. Managing Villarreal. <laughs> oh, you're, you're really going in on it him now. It was a joke. <laughs> it was a joke. I, I spent the first five minutes telling him my wife fancied him. So I think... There's more chance of me being the leader of the Conservative Party than, than, any, than any football club in Spain employing me. <laughs> um, can you give Rose a little shout out, what your biggest fan? Gary. Yeah, my wife, Rose. What would you like? Yes. Hi, Rose. Thank you very much for your support. It's something that I'm quite shocked and surprised by, <laughs> but um, it, I'll gain, I'm gaining confidence from it. <laughs> it's making me feel really good. Yeah. <laughs> Gary, thank you so much, mate. You've been a, thank you so a much. Have you enjoyed on. that. Thanks, thank Gary. You. Cheers, thank mate. You. Cheers, mate. There we go. What an absolute legend. You was really overexcited, weren't you? I just really love him. I love him too. And but I we got... hate and I mean this, I hate Carragher, Manchester oh, no. United team. <laughs> no, we might want Carragher on. So. Yeah, I'd love Carragher on. Me too. Great guy. I love Great him. Guy. Fuck yeah, Gary yeah, Neville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got him. He's um, doing too much, I think. He's, he's got an shades hotel. Shades of Romesh. Shades of Romesh. <laughs> a lot of... They've both got a lot on. They've both got a lot on. Romesh is the Gary Neville of comedy. <laughs> Um, yeah, because I forget, like, he does, like, the overlap, he does Sky Sports, he's got his kids, his wife, and he's like, yeah, and then the hotel. I was like, what? Yeah. You've run a hotel. Oh, mad, isn't it? And what? a football club. That's what happened if you attack the day. That's what he does, he attacks Do the day. you know what? I don't think I want to attack the day. No. I'm too tired already. I'm sort of jabbing the day. <laughs> just I'm keeping jab- the day at arm's length. <laughs> yeah, just keep- I'm just keeping the day at distance. And I'm, I'm happy with that. Are you attacking the day? No, I've been attacked today in You're years. smothered by a yeah. duvet over your head, yeah, little exactly. mouth out. That problem, to go back on what we talked about earlier this week, Yeah. Um, we had to have the headphones on to interview Gary Neville. Yeah. And my head was heating up. If we'd spoken to her any longer, I would. I was in serious trouble. I it was is getting... hot in here. Yeah. But we, we made it through. Um, Gary Neville, everyone. Um, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. 